and I'm glad that you are enduring this fast. As I've told you all before, and I've mentioned to you all, and I really want you to get this in your mind and in your heart, is that as we study various characters, prominent characters throughout the Bible who have done great things, who are just average people like you and me, they had a lifestyle of fasting, of crucifying their flesh. They did not depend on their own power. They did not depend on their willpower, but they depended upon God's Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit power, not our power. And one way they did that, one way to achieve the closeness was making sure that they had a lifestyle. Their default was to be able to fast for big questions to be answered, big decisions they needed. If they were having spiritual warfare, whatever the case is, they always uh, resorted to fasting. And so I am grateful to be able to share with you and to help reveal to you what takes place uh, in the passages in the Bible. And I know we're probably hard, tired of hearing the, the term fasting, but we don't usually get teaching that's just going to highlight these things for us. And what I want to be able to do, or want you to be able to do, is to develop the, the courage, the spiritual awareness, to know that you have all it takes to fast all on your own, right? You don't need the priest, you don't need the pastor, you don't need a supervisor. You can declare a fast on your own life. You can, uh, with God's leading and God's governance, enter into your own fast, and not only when you need something. Amen, someone? We didn't get a chance to look at Acts chapter 13, verses 1, 2, and 3, because the Lord sent us somewhere else, but I'm just reminded of that right now. We're not going there this evening, but I'm just reminded that when Paul and Barnabas, before they were uh, assigned to one another and before they were um, sent off to go on their journeys together to share the gospel, the Bible says that a lot of the pastors, prophets, teachers, leaders, and average people were fasting and worshiping and praying to God, and then the Spirit came down, and the Spirit spoke to them and said, I want you to set aside Barnabas and Paul for a great work. And then when you keep reading that, verse 3, it says, and then they continued to fast. And after fasting and praying some more, they, they anointed Paul and Barnabas and then sent them out. Why is that important? It's because even after the Lord showed up and answered what, what, whether they were asking for this or not, the Lord showed up when they were fasting. They were fasting because this was a lifestyle. God shows up, blesses them with the word, gives them instructions, and even after the Lord spoke and gave them direction, they continued to fast. So fasting wasn't just transactional. Fasting wasn't just to get an answer. Fasting wasn't just for a breakthrough. Fasting is because I want closeness and I want relationship with the Lord. Amen, son. Amen. So that's a practice that we want to make sure. Yes, we go to the Lord because there is a big question. There is a heavy burden. These are things that we need. But we also have to remind ourselves not to have a consumer mentality. Meaning I'm coming to you when I need something and when you can no longer do what I need you to do, then I'll move on to something else. But we're going to stay focused, Isaac, because that's not the message for this thing. We have been dealing with, um, in this week, we're dealing with the power.
power behind um, declaring or recounting God's word with accuracy over your life. And we'll talk more about that. I sent out your devotionals for tomorrow to look at Psalms 119, and that'll make this come to life a lot more. But it's very powerful when we learn the power of being able to decipher through God's word on our own and not needing an elder, not needing a pastor, not, even, not needing someone else to teach us to go and look and find a scripture that will speak to our own lives and learning how with accuracy, which we'll talk about tomorrow, to declare things over our lives that we need to declare over our lives. Because waiting on Sunday to get the word and get direction and waiting for someone to come and to help you, sometimes we don't have that much time left. I need the Lord to, to, to move. I need to bind this thing right now. It's life or death sometimes. And so um, it's important, but, but you can't declare something, you can't recount something if it's not on the inside of you. Something can, can't come out of you that has not been put or placed on the inside of you. We only expel and excrete what we have already digested. Once we digest these things, then it has to come out. And then learning how to declare things in the right context, in the right situations. And so it's important for us to know that, and that still brings us back to our passage that we have used as our epicenter for the last two messages, and that's John 15 and 7. It says, if you abide in me, and my word abide in you, whatever you desire, when you ask, it shall come to pass. Get on my name. It shall come to pass. It shall be done. How do we take up residence in the presence of God? How do we allow God's word to take up residence within us? How do we do these things? Before we can get to another text, this is why I think it was good that we look at uh, a character and use this character as a blueprint on what this looks like in real life. And so depending on one's level of revelation, you can look at this and you can just see Elijah doing miraculous things because he's just a miracle worker. We don't look at him as an average person who learned how to abide in God's presence and who learned how to allow God's word to abide in him and who learned how to be obedient. And as a result, God trusted him. And as a result, God gave him authority and authority to use the power that is on, on the inside of him. There is power on the inside of us already. God has already given us measures of power already. There's some power that he gives us that's maybe special power, as we'll see in the text on this evening, to accomplish a certain thing in your life for a certain season. But there's power already on the inside of us. We already have everything on the inside of us, but what needs to happen is that we have to abide in the presence of the power source. Everybody with me? As much as I always want to do the illustration, it's going to take so much time, and I never think about the time that it's going to take to do this illustration. But it's just like, as I mentioned on, on the teleconference this morning, is if we have right here this 
blender that I use every single day almost faithfully, and then I have fruit. I have all the good fruits, blackberries, blueberries, I have um, some grapes, I have some raspberries, strawberry, yellow kiwi that I didn't know exist, um, <laughs> green kiwi. Um, I have all of this, and let's, let's think of this blender as your life. When you look at this blender, when it was created, it already has the necessary things on the inside of it to do what it needs to do. Mm. Everybody with me? Yeah. You can look at this, this container as whatever your assignment is, whatever you're experiencing in your life, whatever spiritual warfare you're going through, you can name it. You can make it tailored to your life. And sometimes you'll go through something and you can probably accomplish it with a certain level of power simply because uh, it's not that big, it's not that problematic. You can deal with that almost on your own willpower. That's a situation some of us are going through, and I really just want to drink this on my own self. <laughs> I haven't had my smoothies for the day. Um, and then I'm going to mix in some fiber, some metamucil, and some protein powder. This is two things in one. This is going to make this very thick. And the thicker things are, and the more things that are added into your life, the more spiritual warfare, the more obstacles, the more things you experience, you'll discover that um, you can't just blend it, you can't just break it up, you can't just accomplish it on level one power. I think I preached many weeks ago that we have level three, a, cat a category three storm, we're trying to fight category three storms on a category one word level. Mm -hmm. We're trying to defeat something in our life the way we fought it uh, two years ago, but we're still using the same scripture that we had five years ago and approaching it with the same five minute prayer that we did five years ago. Yeah. And then we're wondering why something hadn't broken in our lives is because you're approaching it with the same category word level that you've always had and you need to be able to upgrade, you need to be able to increase. And so some things you can conquer and that's the that's the thing that the enemy wants you to believe. You can conquer everything just the way you are. No, you're gonna have to abide in God's presence if you need more. You're gonna you're gonna you need to increase the power and the authority. God gives you the authority to use that power. So let me you can see this is already big. I'm gonna add some um, some fruit. I'm gonna keep this illustration on because I need all my, <laughs> all my things, all my substances. And um, so, look at this as your life. Going through whatever you're experiencing, whatever you need, whatever you've been praying for, I need a little bit more. All right, don't get too, don't get too bored with me online. I'm trying, I'm trying to help somebody. Um, so abiding or trying to activate the power that God has already given you, if I just put in meat or hard, or hard substances and then you try to uh, put this on in your life and you're praying to God to help you to handle this thing that has just been laid on top of you like a burden, mm. it's on top of you, 
and everything that's hitting you, everything that is coming at one time, you know, you know, sometimes you go through things and seeing one thing happens, another thing happens, another thing happens, and it's all together, and you're trying to fight it, but sometimes you don't have enough to fight it with. And so we appreciate the fact that we have on the inside everything we need, but for many of us, the problem is when it gets time to fight, we can't really fight effectively. Why? Because we don't have power. Yeah. Because we haven't been abiding in God's presence. And we let somebody tell us all you gotta do is just pray and the mountains will move. You've been praying for that mountain to move for some time. It ain't gone anywhere. Yeah. We just take something out of context and think it's just that easy. Some things, yes, but everything else, not so. So you're going through something, you've been going through something for a long time, and you're trying to bind this thing, you're trying to endure this thing, you're trying to overcome this thing, but nothing's happening because you're missing the most important feature, relationship. Not, oh, I'm coming into your presence. I told you yesterday or earlier today that entering God's presence and abiding in God's presence are two different things. Let me teach you what, what entering into God's presence, what we do when we come to worship or what we do when we're putting on our makeup or putting on our clothes and we're, you know, giving God a little bit of our time. This is what it is. It, it, it's, it's just like trying to bind this thing and you turn it on low. sit in your presence a little bit and, um, yeah because I gotta go to work I, I got a boo that I need to spend time with I have a job that requires my attention I, I just I don't have time I, I get home Lord and I'm giving you my, my undivided attention but I just get sleeping I fell asleep with the word you know and, you know, and then I'm upset with God I'm upset with God because things in my life are not shifting and changing but I decide when I want to get in God's presence, when I need something, and it's so inconsistent, and I have everything that I need, yeah. but I'm not abiding in his presence. Yeah. And so when I learn to abide in his presence, which means that there is a power source made available to us, that is God. But when I abide in his presence, it's not just when I have a burden laid on me, yeah. and I need something to be fixed. I need something to be removed. Yeah. I'm abiding in God's presence because I have built this lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to be at church. I don't need the music to play. I'm always walking yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. And you can tell by the fruit. Yeah. 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 Hmm. But when I'm abiding in God's presence, for those of us who, yes, I'm abiding, I'm abiding, I'm learning this practice, for those of us who are looking for, let me give you these three things so that I can do this and everything will be well. Abiding in God's presence and developing fruit takes time. You have to practice this. Stop expecting to get quick, get rich quick. Spiritual growth that is sustained over a period of time takes time. And so learning how to abide in God's presence, even when you're going through the storm, takes experience, takes time. Because, you know, we, we go through the storm, I'm in God's presence, I'm no longer in the storm, ah, let me take a break. And so, when you're abiding in God's presence, when you need to abide something, you recognize that this is not really getting the job done, 
I need more power. Yeah. And so then you gotta go to because most of us, what we have taught ourselves to do is just function with that one one level of power that you know. Yeah. I, this always binds and fix everything. It's always fix everything. So what, why, why should I change what I'm doing? I don't know how to really function with the other things because I have so much power, levels of power, and there's levels of authority. It's so vast in the spiritual realm, you don't have to be content where you are. God has already given you what you need on the inside, and he's already had certain levels of power already made available to you. And with, with this, I have the authority to enter into these realms of power, but unless I am abiding in him and allowing his word to abide in me, I will never be able to activate the other levels of power and the other levels of authority to use the power that is made available to me. It's already inside of me. Come on now. Yep. I don't need a new blender. I don't need your blender. I don't need your life. I have what I need, and I'm not even using it the way that I need to use it. Yeah. You have power. You have everything on the inside of you. You have authority to use many things you don't even realize. But until you learn how to abide in God's presence and allow God's word to abide and take up residence in you, you will never be able to access levels of power that is unbeknownst to you. And I'm preaching to my own self. And so I appreciate that, unfortunately, because that better use was on the inside of this. It's no coming back from thickness of <laughs> Hopefully I can revive that at the end, but it didn't work out the way I thought it was gonna work out. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. I hope that you all were able to, to hear that. Now, so here's the thing. Abide, residence, in God's presence, and allow God's word to abide in me. Reading God's word and being in God's presence are two different things. You can't substitute one for the other. I mean, one can be intellectual head knowledge and the other one is heart experience. We need both. You can't substitute one for the other. Being in God's presence, knowing God, heart experience, and learning God, and learning about him, two different things. And so... When we look at this in real life, we find a man by the name of Elijah. When we look at the different levels of revelation, we saw that in chapter 17, on several occasions, when, when the word of the Lord came to Elijah and told him to go out into the wilderness and allow ravens to feed him, the Bible said the word came to Elijah, and the Bible says that Elijah obeyed the voice. And I told you earlier today, don't just look at this as the word of God utterance, verbal, audible, because we all want the audible voice of the Lord to speak to us. But there is a, there's a verbal utterance, the word of God, and then there is also a written utterance, the word of God. You have the word of God already. That's the written utterance. If you're not being obedient to yeah. what you already know, yeah. why would God feel it necessary to speak to you with an audible, verbal utterance? Yeah, my, my, my. You can't treat one more important than the other. Yeah. Yeah. 
We have the word verbal. We have the written utterance, what God has deemed for us to know, already available. The Bible, so when we look at this and it says the Lord spoke, the word of the Lord came to him, let's also look at that as he heard, he experienced God's word, whether by way of written utterance or audible, and he responded in obedience. And he was obedient to what God told him to do. And then you keep on reading, so much so that he goes down and he breathes on this young man who is sleeping. And then he breathes on him so much and, and he cries out to the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord heard Elijah's voice. They have relationship. Yeah. There is abiding taking place so much so that when the Lord heard his voice and his request, the Lord did not send him to go and heal this, this young man. This was something that Elijah wanted to do on Elijah's own. But because I'm abiding in God's presence and his word abiding in me, whatever I desire and ask shall come to pass. Lord, revive him. Bring his soul back to him. The Lord hears his voice and the Lord answers and the, and the soul comes back to this young man. Because I am abiding in God's presence through practice and through time for everyone who is living in the microwave age, all of us. And God's word is taking up residence in me. Whatever I ask shall be given. And so we see all these things taking place throughout this chapter. We enter to chapter 18. And then Obadiah comes to him around about 36, no, not 36, a little upwards before we get to, to that. And Obadiah is talking to him. And then Elijah says, I promise you, by God, whose presence I am standing in, I'm going to be here. The same phrase he uses in 17.1, when he says, I declare there's going to be a drought in all of the land. He said, I am Elijah, whose, whose, pre whose, whose presence of God I stand in, I abide in. There will not be any rain throughout the land until I give word. He stepped into the scene with authority and nobody even knew what he, who he was. How do you step into a scene with authority and nobody know who you are? You have no resume, no job experience, no nothing. You just step to the scene and your only authority is the fact that you've been in the presence of the Lord. And you can tell that what we're reading tonight, that his level of authority is increased and his power is increased because in chapter 17 and some of 18, Ahab did not obey him. Ahab questioned him. But in chapter 18, you're going to discover that he says to Ahab, he says to his servant, tell Ahab that a mighty storm is about to come. You need to get to your house before it gets you. And the Bible says that Ahab obeyed his voice. The same man, the same king who questioned you is now the one obeying you. There is a level of authority increasing in Elijah's life right before our eyes. Why and how? Because he was faithful, because he was abiding in God's presence, and God's word was abiding inside of him. And he experiences increase right in our lives. And the, the thing that is so telling is that whenever the Lord spoke, he responded. When the Lord said, go, he responded. All right, so 
the Lord speaks and then he moves. I can imagine only what it feels like for the Lord to tell you to go out into the wilderness and allow the, the ravens to feed you only twice a day a little bread and a little meat. He had to tame his appetite while in the wilderness so that he can hear the voice of the Lord and he can be trained for the season he's about to go in. And so he's in the wilderness, he's taming his appetite, he's crucifying his flesh, because I imagine if you're in the wilderness and it's hot outside, you want more than just eat twice a day. Some of us eat about six times a day and snack about four. So it's about 10 times. All right, so it's not in my notes, but more important than this, the Lord speaks and he responds. What does that look like? I need, I need two people who don't mind putting on the blindfold because I have a blessing that I want to give you. And if you're willing to get this blessing, you got to put on this blindfold. Y'all come up here. I need y'all. We're going to move this around. Look, 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 look. Praise the Lord. Say, you know what? I ain't going to be cute. I ain't going to be cute. Let's go, brother. Come on, come on, come on. I know her, so you know, like, you know, like. Well, you know what, Kim? Now you come too. No, no, no. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I got somebody who's going to be my, my camera person, so they're going to try to see if they can get you all this experience. Can y'all get in front of the camera so they can see who you all are? Yeah. Just wait a minute, bro. So, three of those. You need to put this on. Put one on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm giving everybody a walkie talkie. There you go. Yeah, just, you, you agree to it. <laughs> put the blindfold on. Don't put it in your hand. Don't do it. And don't cheat. I got to tell people in the church not to cheat, right? I got a blessing that I want to give them. And there you go. Hold on to that. All right, now. I'm going to speak. And I'm going to tell you. Come down from the stairs, please. I don't want you to be responsible for anybody. <laughs> I'm going to speak and I'm going to direct you to where I am. And what I'm going to do is direct you to where your blessing is. All right? See how long it takes you all to get to this blessing. <clears throat> you have walk talk.
him a round of applause. No, 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 touch anything, don't touch anything, don't touch anything. Yeah, yeah, come on, yeah, come on, sit down. Yeah, come on, sit down. Yeah, 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 good, yeah, good. You good? Sit down where? And I see. Yeah, sit down and see. I need one more volunteer who's not gonna wear a blindfold. See how long, see how long it takes you to, to get this understood, please. It shouldn't take long. See how long it takes for you to get, get your blessing. Now you come too, you jumped out, come on. <laughs> Y'all stand right there. Now you notice, you turn around to me now. Thank y'all for your for your service. Welcome. Thank you for your service. Now, now there's something, something to be be mindful of. You can turn me back on. Something to be mindful of. I know that was very long. You got me on? Can y'all hear me? No. No, it's not on. Testing. 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 It's on now. Told me to keep coming, but somebody else told me to stop and to stop. But I got, I got it right, though. So. Yeah. 
I got things right and I got back on track. And then when they, when they took their blindfolds off, they were in the presence of the person who actually had the gift. I, what God is saying, I want you to seek after me and not after any gifts. If you seek after me, relationship, you will have everything you need. But if you are not fasting, if you're not chastening your flesh, if you're not telling your other appetites that I cannot feed you right now because yeah. I need to yeah. give energy and strength and time Amen. to my spirit person, Amen. not just on Sundays, Amen. not just on Bible studies, yeah. not just five minutes in the car. I need some time yeah. with God and in God's presence. Yeah. I said, come. And so what you would notice is when I'm talking to them and they're blindfolded, they got to hold that walkie-talkie close to the ear. Because their volume on their walkie-talkie is very low. Yeah, yeah. And so all they can hear is a whisper. No need to complain. You thought you heard me, but you heard somebody else. You thought you heard me, but you heard your flesh talking. Yeah. And you made a mistake, and it's okay. Guilt wants to keep you there, but you say, I made a mistake. That, that I was in that relationship, and I shouldn't have been in that relationship. I was listening to myself. Right, you know, and and now that I was listening to myself, I, I hit this this brick wall. But I know better now, because I know what is not my voice. When I hear that voice again, I know to beware. And so they have to hold it close to the ears. And then what you see, Laura, Laura was in front of the package. She was like, mm, I'm focused. And so I'm walking, and because you have to learn to, to hear the voice that is leading you and silence everything else around you. You can't do that if you're not fasting. Yeah. You can't wait until it's time for Easter to say, I'm going to do a fast by way of just giving away one thing. I'm not going to watch TV for 40 days. What about the rest of your flesh? Yeah. And so you silence these things. And then you find yourself abiding in God's presence. Come on now. It's not a time limit. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is relationship. That's it, yeah. I just told you I had something for you. May not be monetary. May not be about a job or career. I may just be talking about me. Yeah. And so they were following me. You might get a little frustrated. You might find yourself competing with somebody else. But what you don't understand is everybody I spoke to, I called them by name distinctively. And so I don't need you trying to run and walk your course based on what you see somebody else doing yeah. in their life. Yeah. Yeah. God calls them by name. Yeah. And their walk is their walk. It doesn't matter if one person got to me before the other person got to me. They both got what belongs to them. And so I can't judge how fast one person is walking. My walk is my walk. Somebody, I'm trying to, I'm yeah, trying to yeah, help somebody yeah. in here. And so abiding in God's presence and allowing God's, God's word to abide in you is how you are able to achieve elevation, but elevation for the right things, not for the wrong purposes. Mm. Relationship. Yeah. We seek after God for relationship, not for rewards. And we have to train ourselves to seek after God for relationship only. Lord, 
I just want you because I want you. And even if you don't feel like you want him just because you want him, Lord, teach me how to just want you. Lord, create an appetite, a hunger in me that I just want you. I don't have that hunger right now, but Lord, I want that hunger, and you can help me to get that hunger. For those of us who don't have that hunger, because it's not always there, you can't do it on your own. You need some help. Ask God. But I don't just, I don't just want to seek you just because it's the new year. Yeah, right. New yeah. you, new blessings. <laughs> Teach me how to be seeking after you even when it's October the 17th. Fall is coming and it's darker outside. No sun shining and it's raining and a little snow. Let me me, me seek after you. But you look at the text. And after after Elijah has that encounter with Ahab and, and everyone, what happens is you'll see the text that it says, Then Elijah, verse 8, verse 41, said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab obeyed and went and ate and drank, but Elijah climbed up to the top of Mount Carmel Carmel, and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. I wonder what that prayer was about. On one hand, You can see the advancement happening, the the, the power elevating, because there is no storm. But he hears it. How does he hear a storm and there is no storm? He didn't say, I see clouds forming because there were no clouds. He said, I hear a storm that was not there. And then he tells his servant, Go out there, look toward the sea. The servant goes and says, I don't see not a thing. So go back again. He goes back again. I can imagine. I got a message for that that I'm not going to give you. I can imagine what that conversation was inside of this young man, whoever this servant was. He, he comes back. I don't see anything. Why are you telling me to go back and keep looking? Oh, I want to preach that message right now, but I'm not. <laughs> this happened seven times, which meant he had to take a journey. So it it was not the fact that a storm was right there. A storm was far off. But because he's being elevated to see things that you can't see with your natural eyes and hear things that you can't hear with your natural ears, I hear a storm coming. And I'm going to pray. And he prays. And the seventh time that that, the servant goes, he says, well, I, I see a little small cloud. It's just a small cloud. It doesn't make a difference. It's just the size of a man's hand all the way out. A small cloud. Insignificant. It's small. It's insignificant. Then Elijah says, well, I need you to go tell Ahab. It's about to go down. And then when you look at the very next verse, it says, then heavens turn black. One moment, small cloud. Next moment, it's a thunderstorm flooding everywhere. But then I want you to read this. I want you to read this with me. Verse 5, verse, verse 45. And soon the sky was black with clouds, and heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, an abundance of rain, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And watch this. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. Then the Lord elevated. 
Elijah. Then the Lord gave an enormous amount of supernatural power to Elijah. For what? To accomplish something. It says he tucked his cloak into his belt. And that chariot that was all the way down there with horses and running so fast, the Bible says he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. You don't see the, you don't see the miracle, you don't see the supernatural movement taking place. There is a chariot with horses. There is a sports car outside. And that sports car already left the parking lot. I decide, because the Lord elevates me, he trusts me, my level of authority has been enhanced, my level of power has been enhanced, the Lord can trust me. I took in my clothes because I don't want to lose my shirt. And I get to running and sports car horsepower what? He outruns a sports car that was already left the parking lot that's halfway downtown and beats the sports car downtown. I gotta talk in that language. What? God gives him this, this power, this special strength. But some special strength is only given for a period of time. Because you don't hear him running everywhere after this text. You don't hear him outrunning everybody once the text is over with. Sometimes God anoints you with the power to accomplish a certain goal or, or assignment. And when that assignment is gone, that power leaves. It's okay. The question is, have you been good with the power? Have you used that power responsibly? We have power, but are you using it for the right reasons? And so I love the text. I love when it happens because when you look at this text, what you discover is right before your eyes, this normal man, according to James 5, 5, 17 and 18, this normal man not only rains fire down from heaven, not only heals a boy, not only creates food where there was no food, but this man outruns a chariot of horses because God elevated him. God trusted him. Because he was connected to his source of power. Abiding in God and God's presence and allowing God's word to abide in you. And so the question then, and I give you this because I said I, I would elaborate on it, but I give it to you. We got 10 minutes. There's three things that I gave you this morning um, about how we step or how Elijah, not I, but how Elijah stepped into a greater level of authority. And the number one thing I told you was what? His relationship level. The second one was what? His word level. And the third one was what? Stewardship level. That stewardship is the unsung hero. Very important. It almost encompasses all of them. But I told you that the relationship level, being responsible with that, is uh, the ability to abide in God's presence 
and unbroken fellowship. Now stop being so hard on yourself and you know, I, I hadn't accomplished it. It's not just something you just accomplished, oh I did it today and I'm, you know, I'm abiding in God's presence. What you see with Elijah is consistency. Consistency and preparation is what, what got him the promotion for the lack of better words. But the ability to abide in God's presence and, and unbroken fellowship, that's why when you see um, in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 15, where according to the word of Elijah, and then it turns around and says, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by way of Elijah, you see this tandem with him and the Lord throughout chapter 17, there is a connectedness, so much so that when he even cries out, the Bible says that he heard his, he heard Elijah's voice. There is a relationship. I'm seeking God for a relationship. We've already exhausted that, but there is a relationship level. Um, and then there is the word level, which we'll be dealing with much more tomorrow and Friday, but there is the word level, the utterance. The verbal, the, aud the audible, you know, utterance, but also the written utterance, God's word. And we want one over the other, but we have to be obedient with what we already have and not expect more. You have to be responsible, steward, with what you already have before you can give more. And so we have the word level. And so you see that in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him and saying, go to Zarephath. And so he arose and he went. Um, we see that in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 36, when he says, when he starts to pray, went before the fire came down, the most, um, the, 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 the greatest verse that we can look at is 1836. Is when he prays to God before the fire comes down, he says, Lord, Prove to them that I am your servant and that all I have done is because of your word. This is what he says to them, says to the Lord, and then the Lord responds with allowing the fire to come down. I'm going to say it again. He says, prove to them, prove to everyone that I am your servant and every single thing I have done is in obedience to what you have told me to do in your word. Yeah. I'm asking you for more, but I'm not even being obedient or good steward with what I already know. Yeah. Give me more, but what you doing with what you have already? Yep. Are you maximizing what you already have, which leads us to the quintessential point, stewardship level. So we look at the stewardship level, I'm going to tell you what is most powerful about Luke chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, and 10 through 12. You read this, it can be confusing depending on the translation you read, but let me say there is an owner who is very rich. He has a steward, some translations will help you by saying a manager, but it would say there is a steward who is managing all of the owner's possessions. And so one day... The owner got word that the steward wasn't managing or mismanaging his possessions. And so the owner comes down and addresses the steward. And the thing that he tells you in verse uh, two, he says, what is this I hear about you? Give me an account of your stewardship. And 
then when he heard the steward, the, the owner, to tell him to give me an account of how you've been stewarding what I have given you. Give me an account of how you've been stewarding all of my possessions. Just in case you didn't know, nothing you belong belongs to you. Nothing you own belongs to you. Your children, your parents, your fiance, your spouse, your job, all of that is the Lord's. He says to this steward, he says, give me an account of everything that's mine. And as a result, this steward goes back and he starts going to the books and mismanaging stuff and quoting and telling people to come back because he was trying to take care of himself. And he does all these things. He, how much he owe you? He know, hey, just give me a little bit. Because he's trying to take care of himself, his life in his own hands, look out for his own self. And then you look at verses 10, 11, and 12, and this is where we end. This is what happens. This is what the steward, this is what the owner says to the steward. After he releases him, he says, um, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, somebody say little, little. then you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Verse 11. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, not just money, well, everything, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? If you're not responsible about wealth of the world, why would someone, the Lord, give you responsibility over power in heaven and things that can shift and shake the world, unseen things, not even being responsible with what I've given you on earth. But then the third thing he says, and if you are not faithful, watch this, with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Other people's things. You know, your employer, the extra long lunch break, you know, I, I mean, shall I just talk about anything yeah. <laughs> that doesn't belong to you, That's yeah. but it belongs to someone else? And you've taken the liberty to kind of do things the way you want to do it because it won't hurt nobody. But it belongs to someone else. Right. It belongs to someone else. And if you can't be responsible with things that belong to your employer, things that belong to your neighbor, things that belong to your friend and your family and your mother that doesn't belong to you, then why should I give you something, power of your own, if you're not responsible with other people's yeah. things? And so what does that teach us? It teaches, it teaches us that there's three areas of stewardship. Three areas of stewardship is this, and I'm almost finished, everybody. The three areas of stewardship is doing right with the small things in your life. Doing right with the resources and possessions you already have. And then doing right with what belongs to other people. Again, 
There's three areas of fellowship. I mean, three areas of stewardship. There's learning to do right with the small things, the things that you consider to be small. Nobody knows. Nobody can see. Nobody will know the difference. Nobody can. The small things. The Lord is the one who, who gave it to you, so he sees and he knows. Even if, I, even if you can hide it from your pastor, guess what? The Lord knows. Can you be responsible and a good steward with the one gift you already have? You overlooking that because you want the gift that somebody else got. The small things. If you're not faithful with the small things, how do I know you're going to be responsible with greater things? Doing right with the resources, 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 resources that you already have. You're asking for a raise. You're asking for a bigger mansion. And you can't keep the apartment you got clean. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just trying to give you illustrations. Don't. <laughs> you want a split-level home, but you refuse to be responsible with the apartment and keeping it clean and paying rent on time or whatever that might be. You want a newer car. I bet you want the electric car that you know friends have. But you refuse to even get the oil change on the one you got. You let the tires overrun as long as you put the keys in and crank it up, everything is fine. You don't even take maintenance of the vehicle that you already have. But you want God to bless. How are you being responsible with what you already have? And how are you being a steward of what belongs to other people? If you look at Elijah, and we don't have the time, you can study for your own homework. How, in chapter 17 and 18, how was he a good steward of what belonged to other people, what was considered small, and what's the second one? And what you already have. God didn't just elevate him just to elevate him. God didn't just give him more power. He was a good steward. And when God can see us being a good steward, he will elevate us in our own time. But don't chase after the blessing and find something that you weren't even looking for. Chase after the blessor. Yeah. <coughs> Lord, we bless you.